Spike is the best ever. Episode three of Nerd Novice. I'm Jim. And I'm Megan. Thanks for joining us this week. We have a great show in store for you. Coffee and Star Trek and Buffy la, 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 and lots la, la. of other nerdy things. <laughs> I <did>. Wow. <laughs> Awesome. It's like, I'm not good at spontaneous musicals. One time that happened in my life, once. Yeah. And it was like my brother and sister and I, so we were real connected. Yeah. And we did a whole musical while my parents were gone. We went through the... I probably shouldn't share that. No, that's It was cool. funny. It, it turned was, out to be West Side Story. Yeah, it was like, let's just it, like go for it. Like mm-hmm. One of those things happened where yeah. you sing two lines and then you just keep going. And then we tried to make it rhyme and everything. It was awesome. Um Sweet. So How are you, Megan? I'm good. I'm awesome. <clears throat> we're um we're on season two of our respective shows, which is sweet. Indeed, we are. Um, and I have so many questions. So many questions. So many. Like, where's the beard from? And mm-hmm. how long did it take to get there? Mm-hmm. And all that stuff. I mean, was it like, did you see throughout the episodes the hair getting longer and longer? Was it just one day he had a full beard or what? Like, that's. I mean, that's only the the tip of the iceberg of my questions. Yeah. So, um. But I think we should probably start by talking about what we forgot to talk about last week, which is how we to get f- we failed miserably. conflict coffee. Yeah, we've already lied to our. I even did research. Listeners. I was I was waiting for you to ask, and you never asked. And then I just oh, so you're throwing me under the bus yeah. on failing to address coffee as promised yes. in episode two. Well, well that's, I that's mean, fine. I'll, I'm I'll take here, one for the team. I'm sitting here with coffee. Why didn't you remember? I mean, geez. I'm inconsiderate. You are. Yeah. It's okay, because I did research on it. And here, let me whip out my bookmarks on my phone, because I have links here. Whipping um, it out on our phones. Um, sounds way dirtier <laughs> than we mean it to. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> what were we saying about explicit tags on iTunes before we recorded? We're going to try to keep it clean. Hey, those were clean words. Yes. Put together in a string of... A sentence that turned into an accidental unclean. Innuendo is fair game. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so it turns out it's actually easier to get conflict coffee than you would think. And you're, you've probably had conflict coffee before. And, and I don't know about you, but it, your conflict coffee is killing tigers and, and rhinos and all sorts of I don't of care about amazing them. I, don't, I care elephants. about people dying. Well, okay, fine. Maybe but, the but, tigers but are tell, so mad that this. they're taking out a vendetta on the people because the people are killing the tigers. What do oh, you think about a that? Thought. You know. Um, so here's the thing: there's some companies that like to illegally grow coffee inside of national parks, um, like in the Sumatran national parks, like Indonesia mm. area, where a lot of really good coffee is grown because the weather is perfect for that kind of thing. Um, but there are national parks that are restricted, and companies like Kraft Foods, Nestle, and some other ones I don't know, um, have been caught growing coffee or you know purchasing coffee that is grown in these illegal areas. Um, now I don't know if they have since remedied that, so please don't send any reps of Kraft Food or Nestle my way, but. Um, those brands include things like Nest, um, Maxwell House mm-hmm. is one is uh, which is included. what my parents drink. <laughs> Your parents are that killing rhinos. That explains their their secret power, and they're killing elephants and tigers. Yeah. So yeah, don't drink Maxwell House and don't drink anything. Nestle actually, I was reading up on them, and they're one of the most um, 
like the companies that kind of produces a lot of um, conflict with environmental issues and they're kind of d-bags a little bit Hmm. this is a serious downer i know because what i wanted to have happen is you said you would come to me and say well okay here's what you do there's this guy down at ninth and euclid and his name is (laughs) yeah is his name is gloria don't judge (laughs) and you you have to bring him like i don't know um uh, like a frog's tail, yeah, or something. Frogs don't have tails. Well, yeah, and that's a problem. Which is the problem? Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I know. I I was thinking that you would feel that way, and yeah, that's a bummer. So here's the thing, though. I did the research to find out where to go. Now you can sort of dig further because I don't want my internet browser history to be coming up illegal coffee too much there, right? Jim, you I can put you. that on you if you want that, but you know. As long as you're okay with killing the rhinos and the elephants and the tigers, then... I'm not okay with that. Just drink a lot of Maxwell House, and then you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. This really just deflates the whole thing, because I've had Maxwell House. Yeah. And it's awful. Yeah, I know. It's not at all what I was hoping for. cigarette ash. Yeah. I wish it tasted that good. Ew. Blech. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. Barf sounds. Well... I mean, so much for that whole notion. I mean... But But we learned something. We did, and it's that... It's actually not that hard to drink conflict coffee. Yeah. Um, so was there was there any explanation for why thing these are being grown illegally in you know well, the forests or or whatever? Is it just like, hey, here's some land that we can grow in and we might not get caught because we don't have our own? Or is mm-hmm. there any explanation for it being advantageous for some reason? I'm guessing that it's kind of um, cheaper. Because maybe they don't get taxed as much or something, right? Um, hmm. And maybe the um, the workers are kind of, you know, more willing to to deal with you. If you it's all just sort know. of like under the radar. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. And then I was reading more about fair trade and stuff, and um, just you know, it's a good thing because some of the workers don't even realize how much that we would pay for a cup of coffee here. Mm-hmm. And they have no idea because they sell their coffee beans so cheap. But anyway, that's a whole other discussion. Okay. But, but yeah, conflict coffee, not so hard to get. Interesting. Yeah. Well, again, it, it thwarts my diabolical plans. And and I kid, I, I do care about people. Yes. I do care about animals and things like that. So Well, maybe you should find another plan of you know some other type of product or service that you can get on the street corner yeah i need a new form of deviance as long as it's clean ish right like maybe conflict um internet connections conflict internet connections boom there we go yeah like sneak on the wi-fi somewhere Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now you got me thinking that's good there's a whole world of options out there yes cool excellent so, so you, con- consider that finished. Finished. Done. There'll be other coffee talk in the future, maybe. Coffee talk. Yeah, because we're pretty into that. We are. I got my, my little fake coffee drink this morning. Oh, I like those. Don't, yeah. I'm not judging. No, no, they're good. They are um, good. It's one of these uh, <clears throat> pre-bottled Starbucks Frappuccino yeah. dealies, and they're they're actually pretty good. They taste a little bit chemically mm-hmm. uh, just because they're – you know, have additional preservatives and they're kind of in an aseptic 
you know, bottling or whatever. Right. Not bad. I'm a fan of the coffee flavor one of those. With, like, the mocha's pretty good, but mm-hmm. I like the coffee flavor. Yeah, that'd be And good. also, I'm a big fan of the bottle itself. Yes. I just find the glass bottle very appealing. Yeah, totally. Recycle it and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Or, like, use it for a vase or... Mm-hmm. A vase, I a think vase. you mean. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I didn't know we were pretentious. <laughs> we are. <laughs> we're nothing if not pretentious. <laughs> On Nerd Novice. Oh. So are we ready to buff it up? I'm ready to buff it up. Are right. you ready to buff it up? Oh my God, I'm so ready. Buff it. Okay, so let's see. What did you I, watch? I watched several additional season one episodes because I couldn't help myself. And then I watched the two-parter in season two that you recommended. So Correct. So we left off with you watching the first two episodes of season one, which was Welcome to the Hellmouth and The Harvest. Right. And then you watched additional ones. Right. So I watched the next two Mm -hmm. in the first season. So basically I've seen the first four episodes in season one. Mm -hmm. And I watched the season one finale. Right. And then uh, What's My Line part one and two from season two. Awesome. Um, You know, like I said last week – I'm totally hooked on the show, and I, I really can't wait to just go back and catch yeah. up and, and see them all. I mean, you must have so many questions. Oh, my God, so many questions. So first of all, um, first of all, in the season one finale, mm-hmm. Prophecy Girl, mm-hmm. there's a new character who apparently, I guess, is a teacher at the school – and they didn't refer to her as na- by name in the show, so I had to look her up mm-hmm. to find out who it was. And it turns out that's Jenny Calendar, right? Um, and she appears in the show um, a few times. Like she's in um, the one that I've already somehow mentioned a million times. I Robot You Jane. She because she's a computer teacher. Okay, and that episode is kind of all technology based. So she's in that episode a lot. She's in a few of the other episodes. She's kind of like. A minor character in season one and then comes out in, in the end of season one as somebody a little bit more than minor. Mm-hmm. So continue, please. She was super cool. I liked her a lot. She seemed to be a good – she seemed to be there as a foil to Giles. Right. Because he's like way into the books and the whole thing. And she's totally. – you know, even in that one episode, she's just like, well, you know, there's other ways of – Trying to find this information. We have computers and we can look things up. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. So remind me, um, why don't you talk about like how, how she comes into that episode? Like what's her role in that episode? Well, I mean she just, she just kind of shows up in the episode uh, walking into the library, into Giles' office. And uh, some occult type things are, are happening. And she comes into the episode and... She kind of lays it out to him saying, look, people people know that the occult is kind of my thing and here's what I think might be going on. And, you know, Giles, you have to tell me what's going on. So it it was apparent to me that she she's in on. She's in on it. Yeah. OK. And that um, that's what I was wondering. I can't remember if if they sort of revealed that in that episode, but I think they reveal it actually in the episode that's called Angel. Um, and it talks a little bit more about who Angel is and, and why he's um, different than um, than he seems. And I think in that episode, Jenny Callender's a little bit, um, her background's kind of revealed, which okay. I can I can explain. Do, would you like yeah, me to do that? Yeah, go, go okay. ahead. That's fine. So um, Angel, as you probably guessed, is a vampire 
Um, I don't you probably yeah, that. Yeah, let's figure that. I, um, so he's a vampire, but he is um, a vampire with a soul because when he was one of like the worst vampires there ever were, he was you know tyrannical and just killed crazy amounts of people and his family and all this stuff. And um, at one point, he killed a young gypsy girl, hmm. and um, the gypsies cursed him. And what they did was they cursed him with a soul because he was able to simultaneously be a monster and also feel bad for it at the same time. Mm -hmm. So he has this soul that sort of um, gives him internal conflict constantly. Like he can't get over the fact that he's killed so many people. So he spends a really long time, like a hundred years or however long, just mourning his murders that he's that he's committed Mm -hmm. and just basically he's like an animal he lives in the sewers and eats rats and you know like he can't handle the fact that he's such a horrible vampire because now he has a soul to feel bad for it so um that's the gypsy curse on him but eventually you know he he uh this is kind of explained more in, in the series angel but he um sort of learns how to deal with it and becomes more of a vampire who is out to kill as many vampires as possible, just like Buffy. And, um, you know, he's kind of, he's, his mission now is to, is to atone for all of those sins. So in that episode, you find more about Angel, but you also find out that Jenny Calendar is a gypsy. Okay. And, um, it was her ancestors that cursed him. So, um, her uncle comes in and basically is, you know, you're forgetting your duty, which is to make sure he's as unhappy as possible and he's falling in love with Buffy and that can't happen because he's not allowed to be happy. And if he finds a moment of true happiness, then um, he'll lose his soul Mm -hmm. because that's how the curse works. Um, And he'll go back to just being pure vampire. So she's kind of there to make sure that um, Angel is as unhappy as possible. And right now that means separating him from Buffy okay. as much as possible. Um, but at the same time, she helps to fight the occult. But so that kind of, um, it's like conflicting because yeah, is she so... Buffy's helper or is she like her enemy? You don't really know. Mm-hmm. So, and it is, is that because she's, she's acting, I guess as a, as a double agent or is it because she herself is conflicted? Um, it's you a little know, bit with yeah. her duty, her obligation versus she's in the situation and she's kind of finding out that well, maybe this what's going on here isn't so bad after well, all. Well, she or? she she's conflicted, but not because of that. She's definitely doesn't um, trust Angel at all. Okay, and so she doesn't want them to be together. But she also um, she also believes that Buffy is you know someone to stand behind. Mm-hmm. So she wants to help Buffy as much as possible. Okay. So she's conflicted because her obligation is to basically tear away Buffy's happiness, which isn't, it's kind of like a byproduct of what her real obligation is, which is um, to make sure that Angel's happiness is not, is, uh, you know, not allowed. But mm-hmm. so as a byproduct, Buffy is going to be uh, affected too. So she doesn't really want that to happen. So that's why she's conflicted. She's kind of in between. Do I, um, do I focus on helping Buffy with this mission or do I focus on my family obligation? Okay. So she's not really, I don't think she's really a double agent. She's kind of just confused. Gotcha. Yeah. I really liked her in that episode. Yeah. Um, you didn't see 
any of any of that stuff as part of her dynamic in in that particular episode she was i guess you could say just kind of purely a a good guy so to speak in that episode and i i really liked her but then when by the time i got to what's my line she apparently is out of the picture by then mhm so she, she doesn't last too long um let's see you know she she doesn't last very long um well she she does she becomes very important but um but it 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 kind of gets really complicated. Um, yeah, it gets really complicated. Basically, um, well, in, just how was she not there at all? And what's my line? She wasn't there. At okay, all. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can't remember though if that's exactly okay. Yeah. Um, she's still around, I think, at that point. Okay. But she's she kind of everyone's mad at her because mm-hmm. she. Um, comes out as like trying to separate Angel and, okay. and Buffy and everyone. So it's revealed or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Um but then they forgive her and then like more stuff happens and you might actually run into that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. I don't I don't want you to spend a whole bunch of time explaining that because in, in a way she's probably not nearly as important as some of the other questions I have. Which right. I guess the next thing would be um, what's the deal with Angel and Buffy hooking up? So are they banging? Um, they do bang. Okay. But, but when they bang, Angel becomes evil. So if he's not evil yet, then, no, he, you haven't seen, nope, yeah, they, I don't think that you've seen them bang yet. Okay. Yep. You haven't seen them bang yet. Okay. But they will bang. But they're dating. They, they're, they're, they're dating. a relationship. Yeah. Um, that's going on. Um, okay. I feel a little bit lame because I have to look at the summaries because I can't remember exactly. No, that's the order fine. I mean, but um, no, you haven't seen the bang yet. They will bang, um, and shit will hit the fan. Okay. Poo will hit the fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's kind of an edgy dynamic in a way because in the series she's a minor and she's sixteen years old, right? And he's. Uh, like 200-something. You know, yeah, yeah. Clearly, he's the older man or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting to me that they kind of take that. Well, her her birthday comes. That turn in it. This is It all starts around her birthday when she turns 17. Okay. I mean, she's still not. She's still a minor, but. Um, I see. But it does. Yeah, she turns 17, and then, like, a bunch of stuff happens. So um, when you get to season three, yeah, is it, that's the thing you might be a little bit confused because um things are going to be totally different between Angel and Buffy but so that sort of happens towards the end of end of season 2 and then i think it uh kind of continues through season 3 mm-hmm. the aftermath of it okay okay yeah i mean it, it's not like i'm interested in you know whether they're actually banging or not but just the what the relationship is right the relationship the is they're of... innocently dating got it and um you know she's kind of waiting for the right time and everything and um I mean, they don't really know. I mean, he knows that he's not supposed to have true happiness, but, um, and so he's, I think he's also kind of holding back, but that's kind of the key. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I see. Very good. So what's the deal with Spike and his meth addict vampire girlfriend? Drusilla. Oh God, she was the worst. I know. She's so creepy. Spike is the best ever. Um, I love him so much. He's kind of like a Billy Idol vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, totally rock and roll punk, and I love him. And I really want you to see, like, 
I want you to go back before, just because I, I know you want to anyway. Um, if you watch the episode called School Hard in season two is when Spike enters and it's the third episode and just his whole entrance is like amazing. He just kind of he literally bursts onto the scene and it's it's totally <laughs> awesome That's and great. like rock and roll just it's totally good. But um, no, he uh, his history is actually along the same lines as Angel. They knew each other way back, way back when. Okay. And actually, Angel is the vampire who created Drusilla. Um, okay. Yeah, I got that. You got from, that. Mm-hmm. Right, because she tortures Angel in... That's a little creepy. Yeah. She tortures him in, in the two-parter. She's a weirdo. Uh-huh. Um, so did they go into her background at all in that episode? Not really. I mean, all that's really established is that her and Spike are a couple or whatever. Right. Whatever you want to call it. And... um. She's wounded somehow. She's injured. So they're capturing Angel and trying to do some energy transference or ritual to restore her strength because she's all bruised up and... Anorexic. Yeah. Yeah. She Um, needs a sandwich. She does need a steak. Yeah. Not... Well, both kinds of steak. (laughs) (laughs) That was unintentional. She does. She needs a steak to the heart and a steak in her belly. Right. Um, So maybe in the other order. Um, so yeah, so the background, um, they do the cool thing about Buffy is I love, love the flashbacks. They do these historical flashbacks where they kind of, um, divulge why a character is the way he or she is. And Mm -hmm. especially the vampires, you know, they go way back in their past and sort of, um, hone in on like key events that happen to sort of create their character. Well, Drusilla was, um, kind of an innocent young girl who was very, um, pious and, um, you know, just extremely, she always meant well, but she was having these psychic visions that she couldn't help. And, um, her mom, this was in a time where it was kind of like, I think it was like a Victorian, I can't really, I don't know, like, um, historical, uh, clothing and how to tell what time period it is. I forget what time period it was, but, um, anyway, so she, um, she has these psychic visions and her mom's like, it's the devil, you devil girl, like whatever. And so mm-hmm. she's so concerned for her sanctity and she's like, you know, um, I don't want to be bad. Like I'm, you know, I'm a horrible person, even though she can't meet, she doesn't mean it. Mm-hmm. And um, Angel Angelus is his um, like kind of His evil side. name, his yeah, vampire yeah. name. Um, he kind of, he just picks her out and torments her as a human while she's still a human and uh, basically convinces her that she is a devil by um, impersonating a priest in the confessional booth. Mm-hmm. And um, she like, it kind of cracks her a little bit and she goes totally crazy. And then he turns her into a vampire. So now she's like this powerful vampire who is psychic and crazy because he just completely broke her spirit. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where <clears throat> she's born out of like this, just ultra vampire girl who, okay. who like, you know, sometimes vampires are a little, have a little bit more strengths than others. And she definitely is one of those vampires who has more to her than just the average, average dude. Okay. So she's crazy. She's definitely throwing off the whole, the, the wackadoodle yes. vibe for sure. And it's because of Angelus that she's like that. And then she, um, <clears throat> Spike, Spike and, um, she actually creates Spike. And then as like a mate. And then... She creates Spike. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think... Yeah. Yeah. 
Interesting. Um, he and he. Oh my god, his flashback's hilarious because he is such a pansy. Like he's like this romantic poet who sucks at poetry, and mm-hmm. he like he loves this young woman and tries to write her poems, but they're so bad. And everyone just he's like the town fool kind of, and he's so attached to his mommy and like his history is amazing. It's just awesome. Um, she creates him and then he becomes a strong vampire, but not until he, he tries to turn his mother and turns her. She's like sick and, um, dying. And so he turns her, but then she goes like, you're not, you're a stupid, you know, pansy boy. Like you have no strength. You're no son of mine. And it like totally breaks his heart. And then he has to kill his mom vampire. And then he's just like indestructible at that point. He's like, emotions are over. No more. So like, he, now. Tur- he turns her, but then she still harshes on him. No, she never did. In the first, she was always like, Oh, my young boy. Like he was a mama's boy and okay. she was a mama to him. And it was wonderful. And then he turns her and she's like, just horrible. Oh, him. that's even worse. Yeah. It's so bad. That's terrible. Yeah. So that's the deal. They're both crazy because of their past. Okay. And um, they're kind of just bent on destroying as much as possible. And they hate Angelus because he turned good and kind of like betrayed them. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. And do you remember Darla, the blonde um, vampire in the very beginning? Yeah, yeah. She's part of their history too. Okay. She created Angel. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, does she... Did she die in that episode? Angel stakes her. Not in that episode. She dies. Um, she dies before. You didn't see her die. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I was thinking that she she actually made it through she that dies, episode. Or does okay. she? Okay. So I have a couple a couple of questions regarding sort of um I guess you could say the lore well, maybe not so much the 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 lore of, of the Buffy verse, but the conventions of the vampirism. Mm-hmm. So Spike and Drusilla are in human form the the majority of the time. Whereas of the episodes that I've seen, the vampire, sort of their natural state is like with the vampire face, face and that, mm-hmm. that whole deal. I, I think obviously they're pretty people. So part of the show is – Let's they're pretty, so let's show them as pretty. But is there any explanation given as to why when they're just sort of normally hanging out They look like people. They look like people. I think it's just because they're stronger than other vampires. Okay. There's a lot of vampires who are just kind of like henchmen and right, they're yeah. just kind of doofuses and they just stay vampires because they're not as cunning. I think that's why. Okay. Uh, it doesn't ever say that, but it you could tell like Spike, Drusilla, Angel, all the people that are vampires, um, they that stay human. I think it's because they are a little bit more sinister and they have more of a plan going on. They're not going to just walk around revealing who they are all the time. OK, so that's that's why. OK. And in the season one finale, mm-hmm. Prophecy Girl, mm-hmm. Buffy gets bit and dies. Mm-hmm. Can can you I think I get it, but can since this is nerd novice and the idea is we treat each other like morons right in our, in our safe haven Dubby. environment of of hope and rage uh explain to me exactly uh how this works or let, let me how you turn a vampire yeah so it, the deal is well what confused me is i thought it i thought the deal was that 
if you get bit once, you just die, mm-hmm. right? And if you get bit a second time, then you get turned? No. No? Mm-mm. Okay. Okay, so if you get bit once, you don't necessarily die. It, she died because uh, she was losing blood or, you know, she was losing, she was, oh no, she died because she passed out and um, drowned. She landed in a puddle and so she okay. couldn't, that's why she died. So she wasn't losing too much. She just got bit and um, sort of passed out and then landed in a puddle and died because she drowned. Okay. Which is why they could save her with CPR. Uh-huh. Because um, she only died for like a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's how you turn a vampire in the in the Buffy verse. Okay, you um, you get bit, and they suck your blood, and then they you suck their blood. Like what they usually do is they like I've seen Drusilla has changed people, and like she'll like cut herself on her chest and then force you to sort of drink the blood from her. So if you drink the vampire blood and they drink your blood, then you get turned. Okay. So if they just bite you you're fine but if they make you drink their blood then you turn okay interesting like buffy says it's a whole sucking thing (laughs) yeah she's like it's just it's a whole sucking thing it's a suck fest well i i like how i like the rules that it has yeah because one of i i really love the show Mm -hmm. and i i love all the all of the little rules that are getting created yeah along the way with it well it's cool because if you see a person who's lying dead on the ground from a vampire bite, you don't know if they are going to turn or not because you don't know if they were forced to suck the blood of the vampire because you didn't see the actual event. But if you see the event going on, you'll know whether they'll turn or not. So there are times where they see, you know, like um, in the first episode when she finds a dead body and Giles is like, will he turn? And she's like, no, he won't turn. They just killed him. Right. So, you know, it's kind of like a guessing game. You never know what's going to happen unless unless you witness or, you know, somehow right. get some evidence to see that they also suck the blood of right. the vampire. So you can end up sort of getting a, a pulse, uh, false positives right. in a way. Yeah. But And they don't kill just vampires in this series. No. They kill other demons. Yeah, because they're on the Hellmouth, and the Hellmouth is full of crazy demons. Right. So how – is there ever any – explanation that happens with that so the the one episode she's at the skating rink and she gets attacked by the bounding hunter mm-hmm. guy and she basically slits his throat mm-hmm. with her skate and he's mm-hmm. not a vampire right um every other demon just there's no explanation for each like breed but mm-hmm. it's just kill them as so they're as they're much fair game can. yeah um i mean there are certain types that might regrow you know, or something, but um, those are sort of special, special uh, treatments. I guess okay. they get different treatments. I really liked the the maggot, the maggot. Oh, that guy. guy was. Oh, every time I rewatch that this episode or these two episodes, I always have to fast forward through him. He is so gross and creepy. <laughs> he turns into the maggots, and he's also like just weird looking. He just weird. I like when Cordelia yeah. and Xander are like... He's got the creepo, yeah. the creepo yeah. look. Like he's like, would you like to buy some vacuum or makeup or something? Yeah. He's just creepo salesman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does he ever come back or... No, he dies. I mean, they... Well, yeah, he yeah. dies in the episode. But... Yeah. No, he doesn't come back. Okay. No, that's the Order of Taraka and they're like this legendary uh, assassins and um, 
you know, everyone's like, I can't believe Spike and Drusilla ordered them to kill Buffy. That's so crazy because they're so hard to kill. But Buffy kills them also. Mm-hmm. They're done. I mean, I think it's a whole order. There's plenty more out there. But right. um, the ones that were specifically said to kill her are, are okay. dead. And they okay. sort of sent the message out, like, don't mess with Buffy. Gotcha. Because she'll kill you. Mm-hmm. Now, so... Yeah, I have so Scott, so many questions. I know. So many questions. Go for it. Uh Principal Snyder. Yes. Star Trek connection. Yes. Armin Shimmerman. I know. Who plays Quark on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Oh, okay. Well I didn't know that, but did you get the um... He also plays a Ferengi in other next gen episodes. Okay. Did you get the reference to Star Trek um Xander makes? Yes. He said like Locutus of the Locutus Bo- of Locutus Borg. Locutus of Borg. Right. I didn't I'm not going to lie. I saw that on Wikipedia. I didn't, because when I watched that episode, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. But now I know what a Borg is. Yeah. And that's so the episode. So it's so cool. It's gonna, like we're connected. Yeah. And that's the episode you're going to watch for next week. That's so awesome. Yeah. 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 Look at that. We're like totally unintentional. I love yeah. It. See, things collide. Yeah. So he he's not in uh, What's My Line all that much, but he's a total. I told total you. Jerk. The, the next one's worse. Yeah. And, um, and actually. Um, I was going to mention to you that because in season one, episode six, it's called The Pack. It's only two after what you've already watched. That's when uh, Principal Flutie makes his grand exit. Okay. So if you were curious. I am curious. Always. Okay. So, yeah, I wanted to mention him because he was a jerk, but he's a great character actor. He's a lot in season three. You're going to hate him so much. Yeah. Yeah. Seth Green. Yes. Is that his first episode? It seems like that's the first – What's My no. Line is the first episode that he's kind of getting introduced to Buffy. But it seemed like maybe he's been around a little bit kind of hanging out with Willow and her nerd – yeah, little um, additional nerd circle. He kind of comes in in Inca Mummy Girl, um, which is uh, the episode that I was talking about the last time with the mummies. Okay. Um but it's only like a he sees her from afar kind of thing, and you you kind of meet Oz, and then he's like, "Oh, who's that?" Like mm-hmm. to Willow, you know. And so that kind of happens a few episodes, and you sort of get introduced to him slowly over time. And then, what's my line? That that's like their first real conversation. Okay, yeah, good. Um, I but, mentioned him because obviously he's a really well known yeah actor. I love Oz. I mean, his character is amazing. Yeah, I hope they do more with him. They do. He's okay. a, he's in. A lot of it. He's like a main character. Oh, really? He gets to be a main character, yeah. Uh, Let's see. How and when, I have my notes here, as always. How and when does Cordelia find out about Buffy's powers? Ah. Because by, let's see. So in, in Prophecy Girl, she's still not totally in on what's happening. But in What's My Line, she's sort of uh, tangentially in the Scooby gang. Right. Which I love that She is. Name. Yeah, I know, the Scooby, the Scooby gang. gang. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I believe it's in, it's towards the beginning of season two, and I think it happens in episode five called Reptile Boy. Okay. Because um, uh, Buffy and Cordelia are sort of put in a predicament together. Okay. And so she kind of finds out who Buffy is because Buffy gets them out of the predicament. And um, she witnesses Buffy fighting. 
Okay. I think that's the first time. So then she sort of, she's like, what the heck is that? Oh my God. And she gets all crazy asking questions, but eventually they fill her in. And so she knows because she's kind of like a little bit of the damsel in distress in this series. She kind of gets in trouble a lot and Buffy's always saving her. And so, um, that's kind of how she first finds out, but she doesn't want to tell anybody because she's so popular. And if she told people that Buffy was a vampire slayer, they would think she was crazy. So it's kind of like an easy way to make sure she keeps a secret because she's too worried about her reputation to tell right, anyone. Right. Well, it's it's good character development for her because she starts out as this really unsympathetic mm-hmm. character. I mean, you think she's she's kind of a bee. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest. She is a big bee. Yeah. And then to to see her evolve even as as early as this season two two parter to where. She still is snippy and kind of has the... She's still a bee. Yeah. But she's kind of on their side and also a little bit willing to fight, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah. She's willing to fight, but she complains a lot. She's always complaining the whole time. Yeah. So I really like that aspect of it. And one of the things that I mentioned to you yesterday was that I really tried very hard to stay away from looking stuff up on... Mm-hmm. Wikipedia, not because I'm worried about spoilers so much, but because I would rather have. I, I, I know this doesn't make sense, but it, it's not the spoilers. But I would rather have the question and right. have the conversation with you totally. rather than just zone out in front of Wikipedia no, totally. and read every single and then thing about Buffy. Educate yourself. Right. Yeah, I know. I, I'm only. I'm not looking at stuff up either. I'm just. Um, I'm looking up stuff from Buffy because I don't have time to rewatch. All the Buffy mm-hmm. episodes mm-hmm. that I want to rewatch so that I can be fully engaged in conversation. So that's why I'm looking stuff up. Yeah. But that's about it. And so I think the last the last thing I wanted to bring up, at least for for the moment, is really more of a, a comment, mm-hmm. which is the the fight choreography. Yes. Specifically Sarah Michelle Geller, Buffy, much more aggressive mm-hmm. than in season one. Yes. So you can really see through her training or whatever. And it's, that the, the character has come a long way from the first episode. It's kind of because of Prophecy Girl. And it's because the first episode of season two, she kind of she's kind of like traumatized by the master. And, you know, the whole episode where the whole season where she's dealing with this terrifying vampire that yeah. she doesn't know how to kill. She finally kills him, but she kind of like gives up and runs away and freaks out. She needs to gain her strength again to like kind of get back in the game. And when she regains her strength, she's like full force more at it than she was before okay so that's kind of why her fighting style is a little bit uh tougher than it was yeah she was badass she gets more badass total ba yeah so what episodes do you have for me next week all right so um next week um we're gonna go into season three and there's a new character that i kind of want it becomes very important and it's kind of the spawn of how we started talking about Buffy in the first place and how we created this idea of a podcast. And that is the character of faith and, um, kind of along the lines of Kendra where she's a slayer because Buffy died for a second. So a new slayer was activated now from now on, there's going to be two slayers because everything just got all unorganized and crazy. So faith is kind of the uh, replacement for Kendra. So, I want you to watch stuff about her. Um, okay. Uh, so I want you to watch the episode called Faith, Hope, and Trick, which is when Faith kind of first comes on the scene. And then um, the two episodes back-to-back, Bad Girls and Consequences. 
because Faith's character is very much developed in those episodes. So Awesome. Consider it, Don. I will check those out. Like I said, I, I really do want to watch all of them. It's really just a matter of finding yeah, you will. The, I mean, time, the time to do so. Luckily, but, season one's pretty short, actually. So Yeah, it is, it is a short season. Like 12 episodes. Yeah. And I, I, I really do actually kind of like this thing that we're doing where we pick out uh, an episode or three <laughs> yeah. from a given season uh, to give us the – because it does give you the taste test, but it also does act as – because you're not seeing everything, it right. kind of makes it for a fun yeah. conversation. So I hope our listeners who are sort of, if they're choosing to kind of play along at home, so to speak, huh. I hope they kind of feel the same, yeah. the same way about it. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think they should do the same thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You guys should all do the same exact things. It, follow our lead in every do. way. Yes. Uh, Megan so we is wearing to, plaid. I, am pl- I thrifted this. Yeah. No, that's good. I like it's, it. It's so cold in our recording booth. It's sometimes, like you almost have to wear a parka. Sometimes it's hot in here. Yeah. And sometimes it's freezing. You never yeah. know. So you have to wear layers. That's totally. Like Ohio. So let's trek it up. All right. What you tre- got? Trekking it. Trekking it. Da-na-na-na. Okay. Um, we last talked about only the first episode, which was actually one and two, two parts, Encounter at Farpoint. And since then, I watched... Um, Three and four, which is the Naked Now and Code of Honor. And then I also watched Measure of a Man and Q Who, which are from season two. Yes. So that's what I have to talk about. Um, The Naked Now was awesome. And I actually thought that it was going to be a little bit more of like a goofy episode, but it turned out to sort of reveal a lot of information Mm -hmm. um, about like a lot of the characters like Tasha and Wesley. Um. And uh, it was just kind of more, it was more important than I thought it would be. I thought, I thought it would be kind of like just a interlude episode right, kind of, yeah. but it was good. Um, so let's see. We'll talk about um, the Naked Now first. So um, I was actually, um, let me think here. When I watched, when I watched the Naked Now, um, I was kind of wondering about Wesley Crusher. Um, he's awesome. And I was wondering when he was going to sort of like join the crew. Um, and that's then a he long does process. later. And I want to know how he does that um, because in the naked now, basically the premise of the episode is that they have, there's some sort of virus or, um, you know, illness that makes them seem like they're intoxicated and they kind of all fulfilled things that they've been wanting to fulfill for a long time. Like Tasha and data get together mm-hmm. and, um, Wesley sort of holds the engineering department hostage in a way, but um, he saves the day because he's really intelligent with yeah. um, engineering. And um, so it's just kind of a whole revealing episode about the characters. And then um, in Code of Honor, um, uh, Tasha is um, kind of more described in that episode. But anyway, Kim, Kim, I want to ask you about um, Wesley because when I watched those two and then I went to season two. Now he's on the bridge crew and he looks like older and wiser and he's got a turtleneck uniform on. I like how everyone has different. I'm such a girl. But they all have different <laughs> uniforms and I think that's cool. They kind of all fit their personalities. But anyway, how does he become part of the crew? Yeah. So for for him, the way it works is and and feel free to send in your 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 hate mails because I'll I'll probably get 
the nuances of this of this wrong. But the 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 gist of it is that he starts out as you know pure kind of purely a, purely a student and is is on the ship because his mother Dr. Crusher is on board. And he starts to because he's really really smart starts to be able to prove himself a little bit kind of help save the ship a number of times. And then eventually what occurs is he he gets I guess what you could describe as a sort of a field commission where he is promoted to ensign but he's still pre Starfleet Academy. Right, okay. So he hasn't gone through the full on Starfleet Academy thing where you're there. It's sort of like college. Yeah. More yeah, or less. Yeah. And he hasn't done that, but he's studying independently and working up towards So he's like an doing apprentice. That. Yeah, he's exactly. Yeah. That's a great way of, of putting it. He's like an apprentice or maybe maybe an intern mm-hmm. sort of thing. And eventually he does leave the ship after several more seasons to go to Starfleet Academy. Oh, so in season two, he still hasn't gone. Yeah, he still hasn't oh. gone because he'll he'll eventually leave the series under the auspices of, well, Wesley's now going to Starfleet Academy. Mm-hmm. And we actually do catch up with him a little bit later on after that and kind of see awesome. some things that or some thing uh, event that happens mm-hmm. while he's in Star at Starfleet <gasps> Academy. What is it? Oh, don't tell me. Um, I like him a lot, though. He's he's cool. Yeah, I really do. That's one thing that, that kind of bumps me out is that so many people seem to have the sentiment of, oh, you know, Wesley Crusher is is a terrible character. He's just some snot-nosed kid that he sna- saves the, snaves the ship, <laughs> saves the ship all the time and just co- sort of a not great, uh, not great character. And... Unfortunately, that kind of affected Will Wheaton, the actor. Really? Because yeah, well, because so many people, I don't understand. Would just harsh on okay. Well, the, the, why? the actor because they didn't like the character. Okay, well, here's the thing. I, I'm obviously not part of this community because I don't know. I mean, I'm watching this as a total novice, if you will. Um, but I don't understand why there are so many like uh, rules to be in the Star Trek. Like you know. People are very particular about when the year that Next Generation begins. Like you were saying, it's roughly 100 years in the future. Well, why is that such a big deal? Why does everyone just choose to hate Wesley Crusher? Like, what what the deuce? What's happening? I don't understand. Just everyone just like, like like who you like. Yeah, well, exactly. And I I feel the same way. I think it's it's just simply that many fans are very finicky. Mm-hmm. And here's the other thing, too, is you always have these vocal minorities. So the haters are always going to be the ones shouting the loudest with the biggest pitchforks, mm-hmm. right? Whereas someone like me who who likes the character and likes other th- aspects that pe- maybe other people don't, mm-hmm. we we tend to be more passive yeah. in our fanness. Well, maybe you know? I'll start a Wesley Crusher fan site. Because <laughs> I can totally, I can make it called I, Wesley Crusher Sweaters dot com. Oh my gosh! Because his sweaters are crazy. He go. has that one that looks like a pickle. It's like wrinkly and green. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, 
bumpy and green. That would be totally cool. So, so that's sort of sort of his deal, right? At at that point, and he he grows as a as a character. All right. So one of the things that really, really like I've been sort of bringing in while watching these is uh, the season one episodes. I just I like uh, Lieutenant Tasha Yar a lot, and yeah. every time I bring that up, everyone's like. <gasps> I tried. I really had to. I know what the heck. Okay, please tell me because here's the thing: in Code of Honor, what did you expect my reaction to be for that episode? Did you think it was going to make me like her more or like her less? I don't really think that I had a particular inkling one way or the other regarding that. The thing that that disturbed me was when you were just saying, even after watching Encounter at Farpoint, how much you liked Tasha. Mm -hmm. And I was just sitting here kind of in silence thinking, oh, you're going to be so disappointed. That sucks. Because Code of Honor, I still liked her. Yeah. I mean, did you think I wasn't going to like her after that? You already said that, I guess. But I did. She dies. I figured she dies. Yeah. But people are acting like she's like some sort of betrayal happens or something. Is it like... Does she lose hmm. her integrity? That's interesting. Interesting that you would phrase it that way. She, does, ever- she doesn't lose her integrity. The issue with, with Tasha is that she dies unceremoniously in an episode called Skin of Evil in, in season one. She gets killed by a living tar pit pretty much. And it it is sad because she was a character that had a lot of potential. Yeah. The actress, uh, Denise Crosby, wasn't happy on the show. I think the showrunners maybe weren't super happy with her. And so they killed they killed her off. Wait, so she dies in a pit of tar? So she can't fight it back? Or what do you mean? It It's a living tar pit. It's... Uh, you should watch. You okay. should watch the episode. I'll watch it. Because here's the thing. Code of Honor made me like her a million times more. Because first of all, you find out that she had like a tragic upbringing, which um, is kind of obvious from the get-go. You know, she's very, um, she's got a short fuse and she's, you know, ready to fight at any occasion because of her trauma and her past. Right. Um, But she also... I don't know. I just think she she enjoys um she enjoys the battle. She enjoys winning. She is good at what she does. Um and she I uh, particularly loved and could really relate to the scene where she was talking to um Deanna Troy about wanting to change her image. She was intoxicated at the time and she's talking about wanting to change her image and like I want to see more feminine and whatever and I totally relate to that because it just seems like, you know, she's in this category of, well, chief of security. I have short hair. I, you know, fight people for a job. And how am I a woman? Like, you know, she's she's trying to find that out and figure out a way to sort of combine the two. And that is like totally relatable. Um, So I I just kind of bonded with her more in that episode. But yeah, and I mean, I figured she died because when in Measure of a Man, um, she's nowhere. Yeah, and Data also has that little hologram of her. Right. So I'm like, he's probably mourning her loss. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. One of the things that I think made her a good character was that she had this rough upbringing. Mm-hmm. One of the things that that we see as as a convention in 
most of the iterations of Star Trek. Again, we were talking about the rules of the Buffyverse. Well, in the rules of the Star Trek universe, the vast majority of the Starfleet characters are pretty well-adjusted right. people. So to have her be kind of a person that that doesn't have that idyllic upbringing mm-hmm. was really separated her from a lot of the other characters. And that was a, a short story arc for her, unfortunately, but, but a nice one. Yeah. To get back to, to what I was kind of saying with, with her earlier, she gets killed off in the series. And what's sad is it's not a very satisfying death. It's not like she dies heroically right. saving the ship. She gets killed off by what you could kind of consider to be the alien of the week. Right. They have a nice little ceremony remembrance thing for her at the end of the episode. And Mm -hmm. and Data, even though at this point he doesn't have emotions, is clearly affected by by the loss of her because... Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean doesn't have emotions yet? Ah, wait. <laughs> data, uh, data during the series does not have emotions. But then, measure of a man happens, and he talks about feelings and having connections with memories. He has, he has. Well, what he has. Okay. This is part of. This is part of the the overall arc, of, for Data, as a character. He was not designed. To feel emotions. He is self-aware and he has memories, but he is not designed to feel love, hate. But he has more than just memories. He it's not like a computer storage unit. He has more than memories. He has um, he has attachments to memories. Yes. That's kind of an emotion, but I guess not. Well, it's kind of and I, I agree with that. And I think that's. That's one of the subtle points about data is even though, again, at that, at this point, he doesn't technically have emotions or wasn't programmed for emotions. Mm-hmm. Through his life experiences, he is developing attachment and emotion of a sort. Right. And so I guess in Measure of a Man, that would that would bring me to that episode because, you know, there's there are scenes where he um where he, you know, finds out that he has to leave or whatever he's going to resign because he doesn't want to be a part of this risky experiment and he starts packing up his room and um he has like the medals that he had and the uh hologram thing of tasha right and at the at the hearing um captain picard asks him why do you have these medals and he's like well i just I ha- I wanted them. I have them, you know. And he's like, "Well, why do you want them?" And he goes, "I don't know. I just want them." So he almost has the aftermath of emotions, but he doesn't have the actual emotions in the first right, place. Yeah, like he has he has an attachment. Like he feels like he he uh, it, the medals mean something to him, but he doesn't know why. Kind of like he he has yeah, this attachment, yeah. and he understands the feeling that goes behind. Well, um, these medals mean something to me. I feel like they are important to me because. I don't know why they are, but that's all I know. Right. Yeah. Right. The arc with that is that Data has a twin brother mm-hmm. named Lore. Mm-hmm. 
and Lore has an emotion chip. Oh, crap. Really? Yeah. Wait, when does he come in? He comes in in the first season. There's an episode called Data Lore oh, that man. you definitely want to check out. <sighs> definitely want to totally check it out. Totally want to look at that. Yeah. And so much further down the line, Data ends up getting an emotion ship. Nice. And he doesn't use it right away. But then in Star Trek Generations, which is the first next-gen movie, he puts it in. Oh, snap. And that has ramifications. Oh, my God. Yeah. I love Data so much. I think he's, he's awesome. He's the best. Commander Maddox is the one who was trying to get him to let him open him up and stuff. Mm-hmm. He was a jerk face. Yeah. I wanted to punch him. I kept flicking him off every time <laughs> he came on the screen. It's like, screw you, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, Data's awesome. The Measure of a Man made me want to cry several times. And um, I looked up the writer for it and everything. And she, um, I mean, she wrote, I think that's her first Star Trek episode she ever wrote. Yeah. It's amazing. First and only. Oh, I really? Believe. Yeah. It's interesting because they just they just released the season two Blu-ray set a um, couple of months ago. And they're, one of the special features is an extended cut of that episode. Oh, nice. The writer of the episode had the only known copy to exist. It was, it was a VHS copy mm-hmm. of an extended version of that episode. Mm-hmm. And so for the Blu-rays, they're all remastered from the original mm-hmm. negatives. Nice. So to give you like – it's not episode specific or anything, but they're they've released season one and season two of Next Gen on Blu-ray, and the whole deal is they have the original negatives that the film was shot on. All of the visual effects for Star Trek were also shot on film. The show was mastered onto standard definition analog video Mm -hmm. the dvd releases and what you see on netflix it's it's okay picture quality but it's based on 1980s video mastering technology but they've they've recomposited and re-edited the show from the original film they changed the special effects and everything they didn't change them okay the the, the just, special effects, except for a couple exceptions, they where they didn't like, have the source material or whatever. So they spruced they them went up bad. Them. They went. They didn't even do that. But they just went back to the original film. Oh. And recomposited all of the effects. Oh wow. And. Does it look way better? It. Oh my god. It looks like it was shot yesterday. Oh my god. Because it's all like thirty-five millimeter. I totally film. love to see that. Yeah, it's a, it's really amazing. I mean, the one thing that kind of was really surprising was um the title. The title uh, piece. The, pi- the title sequence. Yeah. That's sequence. a huge model. Oh, it's amazing. It's like a six foot or seven foot long model. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. So um, Data is amazing. And I think one of the coolest things that it almost, it's almost uh, the same sort of plot line, not plot line, but um, message as Q Who is uh what is life you know yeah. what makes life is an android life 
Um, when does it become a race? And it was kind of the same thing with Q-Who, with the uh, Borg. Yeah, that's a good point. You know? Almost like, um, when, do, when do we have to, uh, when, when is there sanctity of life? When can we, when can we um, choose to not interfere with, with that? Right, right. Yeah, so what, what constitutes life? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, honestly, Q-Who wasn't as interesting to me as, as Measure of a Man. No, it really isn't. I yeah. mean, it, it ultimately Q who is it really just serves as as an introduction mm-hmm. to the Borg, who become much much oh, more okay, important okay. later. Yeah, on. and and I'm assuming that Q appears a lot, and we can probably save that discussion for another time because I'm still a little bit kind of confused on Q. What what is Q? What kind of being is it? You know, he acts like a god. He's always messing with their lives. He he acts like a god, and he is very powerful, like a Greek god. Like he acts like a right. you know right. like corrupted, interfering god. Yeah, totally. He's a mischief creator. Okay, I think is is the big thing, and and he tests them and causes them to have to resolve things, and and sometimes <clears throat> sometimes he's helpful. Okay, to a certain extent. Cool. So he he does figure prominently and importantly into the series, especially actually in the last episode of of Next Gen. Okay, yeah, and then um, Guinan. Um, I want to. We don't really have time to talk about her today, but is she come Whoopi Goldberg's uh, character? Does yeah. she come in more, or is that kind of there? There minimal? are episodes where she gets featured more here and there, but she never becomes a full on. Regular cast okay. member. She's just a little bit of an enigma, too, you know. Right, yeah. and, and intentionally so, and she's used very well in that regard. I've always really liked her I thought, character. Yeah, I liked her a lot too. Yeah, she was really cool. One of the things that gets revealed with her later on is that her and Picard have actually known each other for a really, really long time. Oh, and we we see an episode where we find out why and how. That's possible. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Measure of a Man was astounding. It was a great piece. It felt halfway through, I actually paused to look up who the writer was. That's how good I th- mm-hmm. I've never done that in my entire life. Um, I just thought the writing was amazing in that, in that show. And it's funny because when I went to look at her website, her biography, it kind of sucked. Like the way she wrote on her, mm-hmm. I think she wrote it. And the way she wrote on her website, was not that great and mm. i was like what is this what because she wrote an amazing episode of star trek and then it was kind of like kind of willy-nilly on her website but anyway um it was amazing and i actually um stopped to look her up and just figure out who was the person behind this it's melissa snodgrass right yes yeah. melinda melinda yeah rather. sorry um yeah amazing i love that episode it was really good yeah it's a good one yeah it's a really good one so what do you want me to watch um for next time i've got actually three episodes we can't <laughs> what's the, the the potato chip commercial you can't crunch yeah. this one once you stop I once you we, pop you can't just yeah. you can't stop we're total liar liar pants on fire in, in this it's fine. in this show because we said we'd do one episode it's like we, watch we that can't. episode but wait you can't until you watch the other one wait yeah. and then you have to yeah. yeah yeah so for season three i've got an episode called yesterday's enterprise okay we see an alternate universe sort of thing happen. We see Tasha Yar yes. in that episode. 
That's all I'm going to say about it for right now. So yesterday's Enterprise. And then the other two episodes are actually the season three finale, which is Best of Both Worlds Part One. Mm -hmm. And then you also have to watch the follow-up, which is technically season four, but Best of Both Worlds Part Two. And that's season four, episode one. Right. And so next week we'll do your, – your next assignment will still be season four episodes. So I'm counting – That's not going to count as season four. That's not going to count as your season four gotcha. assignment. Okay. If that, if that makes sense. Totally. So that's what I've got for you. Best of both worlds, part one and two. The, the quintessential Borg episodes. Awesome. And that will kind of enlighten me on Xander's reference to the Borg. I am Locutus of Buffing. Borg. Yeah. Resistance is futile. I'm excited. Your culture will adapt to service us. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, it's good stuff. The worlds will collide. Yep, it's the best. That's awesome. Well, this has been totally enlightening. Good episode. Lots yeah. of fun. Yeah. I'm inspired. Even more so, if that was even possible. I know. We're on a roll here. Yeah. This is exciting. Yep. Um, It'll be sad when we're done with Star Trek and Buffy. Oh, we'll have to gosh. figure out what's next. Yeah, we will. Well, we have an idea yeah. of what will be the transitional episode, but we'll... We'll talk. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Okay. So, awesome. Um, we've got our assignments. We've got our assignments. Uh, here are your assignments, dear listeners. If you enjoy this show, we need your help. Please subscribe to it on iTunes. And please leave us a star review, a rating, mm -hmm. and write a review. If you like the show, that would be much appreciated. If you would like to follow us on Twitter, mm -hmm. we are Nerd Novice on Twitter. The website is nerdnovice.com. We've you got can, a Facebook page. We've got a Facebook page. We have, you can contact us through the website, but you can also send emails with questions, comments, suggestions to nerdnovice at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to follow me directly on Twitter, I'm Jay Metzendorf mm -hmm. I'm on Twitter. Megan Paletti. And thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. All right. Have a good one.